You're listening to the Mind Your Autistic Brain podcast, the show for late identified autistics. Each week, you will hear the autism journey of another late identified person, including their hardest part, their best part, and insights they share just for you. So you know you are not alone on this journey, my friend. Find your person and community here each week. And don't miss the special editions of Creator Spotlight and Hot Topic with your hostess with the mostest, Social Audie. That's me, Carol Jean. Let's get started. Welcome to Mind Your Autistic Brain, the talk show for late identified autistics. And today, my guest is Hunter Hansen from The Life Autistic. And I'm super excited. And I even, you know, got dressed especially so that we had our, our matching uniforms on because I'm all about a uniform. So I've got my Helly Hansen vest on just like Hunter does. <laughs> I appreciate that show of solidarity. This is apparently like my podcasting vest for, for comfort. The only problem is like the zipper kind of chafes against my mic sometimes. So it's one of those those weird tells. But uh, yeah, that's one of those. It's not it's not North North Face or, you know, Arcteryx. But um, yeah, I'm, I, I, I rock the double H for, for many reasons. And hey, good winter wear is one of them. I, I totally agree with you. I, I rock mine and it is one of my Colorado finds. So, you know, I was a Western slope girl. Yeah. You're your front range guy. So, you yeah. know, we, we can we can relate to this, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I know you you went with on a big uh, vacation with your family. You guys went to the beach. And of course, I grew up on the Gulf Coast. So, you know, sand between my toes and that kind of thing. And yes, everybody that just cringed on the other side of this, we know. <laughs> We know sand is not our favorite thing. However, it is the sensory thing that can be kind of fun on occasion, right, Hunter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of funny because like that's where, like I I've told people this like when we were when like they're going on vacations, and this applies for me too. That you basically like live through memory and experience. So like, there's a certain bit of autistic sensory element that, you know, in regular life, it's overwhelming. Like it's just, it's just deafening. Um, and I know I'm going on like a tangent, but I think this is really applicable for. No, you're not. Keep going. So I remember like rather than like the narrative, it's like certain structural sensory pieces of how things affected me, even if it was a little scary at first. So I'm going to get to the beach thing in a second, but I, I'm not a very consistent movie goer, but I go because I want to feel like, not like I want to watch a movie or catch something, which, which I do, but like, I want a sensory experience. That's just so like jarring in a way, but not harmful, but something I'll remember uh, the film gravity in IMAX 3d was palpitatingly intense and I still remember just absorbing it in a gigantic screen that was too big for my eyes to absorb and feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm in space and I'm going to die. And yeah, was that a sensory assault? It was, but I knew that for 90 minutes, I'm going to be gripped and I'm going to remember that feeling and be able to call it up, you know, at will. And that's kind of cool because I can relive it without the trauma in a sense. Same thing with like the Dark Knight Rises in IMAX. There's an opening scene. And it was intense. And I'm like, all right, my eardrums are literally going to burst. This isn't going to be the whole movie, but I will remember it with a lot less pain and tremor going forward. So vacation and sand was like that. I still, I I didn't always appreciate the grit. 
but I do remember what it was like to step into a shady section of the beach in the softer sand. And it's like, this is, I'm not going to get to recreate this very often. Colorado is not known for its sandy beaches or its oceans. Just isn't. If you want to know why, find a map <laughs> or, you know, chat me and we can talk. We do have some sand, but it's, we have to go uh, quite a distance to get it. So it was one of those to where like, I don't always like sand, but this is an interesting feeling. I don't like the taste of salt water, but I can take a little bit of this because I can pocket those things with a degree of intensity and kind of take that back here in Colorado and remember and kind of lick my lips when I think about impressive waves of salt water from the Atlantic Ocean just pummeling me. And that's part of living. It's a memory for me that gets laid down and I can, I can live through that, but sometimes it does take a little bit of overcoming sensory terror to, to do that. Because if it doesn't impress on you enough, it doesn't leave enough of a memory imprint. And then, then what are you doing? Like you're not living, you're just existing. So I, that's a weird approach to it, but that was one way I coped knowing that I can imprint some memories, even if it's a bit uncomfortable at first, it's, it's actually quite comforting as time goes on. So yeah, that's how my vacation went. I had a lot of those. <laughs> so waves, <laughs> sand, uh, restaurants being closed when they shouldn't have been, places running out of Aussie pies. Uh, there are some other hiccups along the way, but calamity is is memory. And, you know, tragedy plus, plus comedy is, or what's the phrase? It's like comedy or tragedy plus time is comedy. And that's why yes. I have a lot of good stories. I just remember the calamities so much clearer that are just funnier. And, you know, they make for some some good content along the way. They do. And I think you make such an excellent point. And I think there's so many of us that do experience things and don't always look into that sensory overwhelm sometimes mm -hmm. as the gift that it can be and the blessing that it is sometimes down the road, because time does change yeah. and alter our memory and our mm -hmm. recollection of things. Yeah. So being able to to take those, you know, I, I call them these little these little memory cubes, mm -hmm. uh, because I am a very sensory visual memory person, yeah. but not only when I recall something, do I remember it visually? I, I can smell it. I can feel it. I can taste it in that memory. It's like I'm there again. So, yeah. you know, when I travel that that's always been a beautiful thing. You know, one of the, one of the most sensory, um, specific memories I have is when I went to Morocco and was in Marrakesh wow. in the soup at night. Okay. <laughs> and I know it was super cool. So you mentioned like a triple the, layer of Morocco, Marrakesh at night. Like that's a combination that is like redolent of like these like old world spices and stuff. Like I can, I can picture right. that now, but I have no, like, yeah, the fact that you have like a sensory tether to that, like I'm, that's interesting. It is. And, and it was so great because uh, the concierge at our hotel, he's like, are you going to go see the animations? And I'm like, the animations? I'm thinking like cartoons, you know, this kind of stuff. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, the animations in, in the square. You must go. I was like, okay. And I'm thinking, what am I getting myself into? <laughs> I just said yes to something called animations at yeah. night. And yeah. I was really terrified, you know, in, in that whole transition period. But when we got there and it was like, 
it was uh, fire eaters and all wow. of these different um, smells from the different food vendors. And they yeah. had, you know, like these little um, dancing animals and just all kinds of really cool stuff. Things yeah. that just felt really surreal because it was so different from anything I'd ever experienced before. Yeah. And so even now I can still like, I can see the glistening oil in the olive barrels yeah, and just the way the light would hit it and the smells of the different foods and the spices because all the spices were amazing. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's so cool because I can look back on that now and go, oh my God, I, I was so terrified, but I don't remember that part. I remember all the, the fun sensory stuff that I did take in over yeah. time. Like you said, it becomes this fun memory. It's, like, it's really fun. It's like this, I would almost call it like autistic thrill seeking. Like I, and I think that's, <laughs> that's part, a really good one. I guess so, you know, and but it reminds me of a good one of Jamie Foxx's really great quotes is like the other, like the other side of fear is nothing. And the more that I remember that and try that, the more I find it to be true than untrue. I think from an autistic experience, there's there's like true daredevil stuff that you can do. You can go skydiving. For me, like I don't like roller coasters. I've tried it enough to know that, you know, my head is abnormally large and couched with abnormally large hair. And I don't like what it does to my neck and my head and the mild concussive symptoms there. So it's like, there's a lot of stuff that I can rule out because it's, it's too much. But then there's other things to where like, this is overwhelming to me, but it's still safe. It's still okay. So like, as you mentioned, like going to, you know, Marrakesh after dark, like that may be benign, especially if you live there and you're eating fire and you have to show up for work that night for the night shift and, you know, entertain with the animations that, that may be nothing, but to, you know, someone like us, that's a lot. Like I have to go and talk to strangers today. I have to call somebody up for pizza because I don't like their website. And that that's like daunting, but yeah, I think the there's, worst, I have to answer the phone when someone calls. No, I think what's really worse, Carol Jean is when you are expecting a call and it's a number that you, you don't really know who's calling. So you're trying to figure out like, is this the call I'm expecting or am I fielding a call from a stranger or a scammer? And it's like, great. I've exhausted my, you know, my conversational bravery by, you know, kind of like venting all that steam too early because I picked up the wrong phone call and just even like trying to process that and account for it is its own, its own thing. I just asked people to text or in another case, I said, I'm not going to answer but please leave me a detailed message with, you know, my, my phone will transcribe it and I'll just get back to you. And they were accommodating to that. And I love that. Like, I, oh, I, love I don't that. have to deal with it. <laughs> they actually ask, can we leave a voicemail with a detailed message? Yes, you may. That is my preference. Like if you call, just know I'm not going to answer. So that was, that was kind of the. I love yeah. that. So a couple of weeks ago, I'm just going to confess here to uh -oh. my little quirky brain. So. I hate voicemail messages. There is something that is just incredibly anxiety inducing about that little pop-up notification on my phone. And yeah. I will ignore it. I will ignore it every day until it disappears 30 days later. I will not take oh, it. I am the world's worst. Now, wait a minute. It gets even better. So I've gone been doing this for like a year. I don't know what it was. Just something happened. So it had been really like avoidance, really bad avoidance, right? So I'm like, this is so crazy. I've got to get a, I got to get a handle on this. I got to figure this yeah. out. So I re-recorded my outgoing message on my voicemail from my phone. This yeah. is what it says. 
Hi, you've reached Carol Jean. I do not check these messages. You can talk, but I won't listen. Thanks so much for texting. <laughs> That's, you know, Carol, I, I, I do the same thing. <laughs> and you know what's so great? No one yeah. has left a message since. That's one where, like, that's my outgoing greeting. And it has been for probably 10 years. Like, hey, you've reached well, my voicemail. I'm not just low, Hunter. Well, no, like you're, no, like you're finding like the hacks to where it's like, hey, you know, like, please leave me a text. I'm not like, I don't mention that I'm not going to listen, but I have had people who know like, hey, I'm just going to leave this anyway. Um, there's been some legal matters can't say what it's nothing bad but it's like hey i can't actually send this over text or some people are cheeky like my realtor is like hey i'm not gonna text you because i know you'll just dismiss it i'm gonna make you listen to this voicemail and check the transcription i'm like you son of a gun um so he some people like know to circumvent it i did not know and i don't know how you could handle the latent anxiety of seeing the notification and just let it dissipate after 30 days like that's like a zit on my phone i just can't it's like i have to clear this i cannot i need some foundation or whatever cream or this is where i've gotten just like so zen and something i (laughs) i do not have that zen i that's like (laughs) that is alien to me i'm like inbox zero it isn't except for my things app which is like i have notifications there to remind me that oh yes i have things to do and thus i will do them but everything else no i won't tell you what apps but it's like i cannot have a notification exist here like that is just it's a flag to say clear me so like when i see people have like unread emails or like a 14,000 notification like i know it's not an autistic thing but it's like how can you just live in such ignorant bliss knowing that you have so many outstanding items and you just don't care so i i don't know how people do it like i would I would, I used to say I'd give for that, but no, no, I wouldn't. Cause I like being on top of things and yes, it affords and stresses and triggers anxieties, but at least I'm not ignorant, but I'm also not blissful. So I don't know, maybe in a, <laughs> maybe in a different life, I'll, I'll oh, renegotiate I'm that. I'm so trade. glad we're on to this conversation. I do not do that in any yeah. other aspect of my life. Now my phone still right now says that I have three voicemails. They are no longer there. I tried checking them so I could delete them, but the notification won't go away. It drives me bananas. There's other So I did this little thing a while back. Yeah. Every time my I like I have my phone on vibrate. Mm Because I'm like, okay, I don't want it to ring because I've got a really super sensitive startle response. Mm. Like it I feel like I'm on the verge of having a heart attack when anything goes off and I startle super easily. Yeah. Much to the joy of some very twisted people in my world <laughs> who think that it's hilarious to scare mom. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, sometimes those little sneaky boogers will get me. But I decided that there wasn't anything in the world that I was missing that because I was cognizant, you know, I, I have a set time in the mornings yeah. and in the afternoons where I check my social media stuff, where I check yeah. my emails. And I'm like, you know what, if I have that already buffered into my schedule, that's part yeah. of my routine and part of my day, mm-hmm. then all I'm doing is amping up my distracted ADHD parts mm. of my brain. All yeah. I'm doing is causing more anxiety and stress. So I put my phone on total silent. Mm-hmm. I went into my app settings and I turned off notifications on everything. Yeah. It has been amazing. Yeah. It really good, has. I, it's it was like this physical release. 
that I yeah. didn't realize was there. It was like the elephant that was sitting on me. Yeah, it's like you're you're no longer, you know, I I think I'd use the phrase in a blog that I actually, like, I didn't promote it on social media. I just wrote it and I published it. But, like, there's a certain thing to where you you build in routines that serve you. But then when you find that it gets inverted and you're serving them, that's like the cutoff. Like I can't, I can't do that. And like, funny enough, I've, I've adopted similar. And like, this is an interesting one that I think appeals to the neurodiverse audience versus just exclusively neurodivergence. Like it's a thing. And I think like social media and autism is probably one of those other topics that we could definitely go into because it really has such a broad appeal, but I have left my phone on do not disturb when locked. Like just, I, I think I've forgotten to turn it back on, but it will not buzz in my pocket. Cause I don't like that startle. Like I get phantom, you know, not to, you know, bring equivalence with like phantom limb syndrome, but like I've, I've literally felt like my phone buzzing when it wasn't. So I don't know whether that's just the expectation of like, Oh my goodness, I'm getting a notification and these jeans are really tight and I don't want to have to wear my phone out. And like, you know, that aside, like, it's been nice to just know that I'm not going to be notified. And like the same thing with the badges, I've turned those off for the most part because I'd rather, I'd rather not be beholden to that. I'd rather just opt into it. And do I check things too often? Yes. Yes, I do. I'm not perfect, you know. but it's one of those, like, I'm now choosing my own peril here, but at least that yeah. is not the master. Like I need to still achieve some mastery in it, but it's like, it's like, for me, I think it is part of intertwined with my autism to where I need that panopticon of knowledge. I don't like surprises. I like waking up and being able to account for so many variables and feel like I'm not controlling, but have some agency in knowing like what's going to come around so that I can adequately, adequately brace and prepare. And that's part of what helps. I don't like being whipsawed between some new thing or what have you. But then the flip side is then I'm refreshing just out of habit thinking like, okay, there's got to be something that I can jump onto. It's, it's exhausting. It, it just is like, it would be nice to be more carefree and be able to roll with the punches, but you say roll with the punches. I I'm feel sorry. Like I'm, what the heck is that? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Yeah, no, it's like, <laughs> that I just is wanna, not comfortable in my world. It's, not, it's like, you don't do that in a boxing ring. Like you account for it. You prepare, you measure, like you, you take a few hits. Um, sometimes you have to get punched in the face in order to like, see your plan go through. It's like that Mike Tyson quote, like everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. But then I realized like, yeah. on to something. If your plan is getting punched in the face, there's really nothing that can shake you. Like maybe not getting leveled and KO'd, but it's like if your plan is to know that you're going to get punched, uh, it's like rafting. I do rafting every summer and the plan is I'm going to get wet. At some point, I'm going to have a wave. It's not the ones that hit you face first. It's the ones that come up behind you and like flood you, you know, from the waist down that you weren't expecting. And when that water is like 35 degrees, um, you know, at 7,000 feet above sea level, that's a surprise. But if you account for it, it's just part of the plan. Part of the plan is that it just won't go to plan. So yeah, that's like, that I think is, that's a late stage autistic coping adaptation thing for me is just knowing that now that I'm a dad of three daughters, um, you know, they are prone to injury or some other chaos at any time. My dogs, same thing. Um, so it's just being able to figure out like, I may step out of my office expecting to work out for an hour, 
but I have dogs that will decide to use the restroom inside our house. That can happen. I may have kids who do wacky things. We may have a, so it's like just count, accounting that I need to build in some slack for this. I need to know that part of the plan is where am I going to get punched in the face? Can I still manage the match throughout? And I hope that I can. And sometimes I can't, but that's the life. I love that. I think that is such a beautiful reminder uh, and, and some little deeper insight for all of us just on a human level yeah. that, you know, we have to account for the fact that we can't account for everything, but we can anticipate that things just aren't always going to go to plan. They just don't. That's not the nature of things in yeah. reality. Right. And I think you mentioned something that's really beautiful and it was, you mentioned habit. Mm. And that's one of the things that, that I have found to be really beneficial um, in my reflection and, and in my late identified autism journey is that I had to stop and really evaluate. I'd never done it before. I'd never thought about it in this particular way. And it's, what am I doing every day? What are my yeah. habits? What is it that I am automating? What is on autopilot that is a subconscious thing that yeah. I'm not aware of that is impacting me either positively or negatively? And then where do I want to go with it from there? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think it's where like, you know, just in keeping with like the late diagnosed bit, right. There's, you know, I think as adults late diagnosed, like there's that in between of like, you're, you could just frankly be undiagnosed. And it's really interesting again, coming from knowing I was autistic since 16, which in my book, I feel like that's still late, but speaking with other adults who are now just realizing, like I was finding routines and I was like doing these things without realizing why I did. But when I did them, I felt better. And when they were disrupted, I felt a lot worse without being able to like rationalize or understand that, uh, Hey, you, you need a certain kind of order and you're trying to impose that and you bristle up against it. And I feel for a lot of people who don't quite know that like, Hey, this is just, this is just you. You're doing this because you need to, but now that you know why, like, here's how you can account for fortifying your own fortress, kind of making sure the steps are, are clear. I think like one, like one example that I've found, you know, again, not being late diagnosed per se, uh, just like, I like to keep like pathways and things clear. I, there's a reason my angles are very strategic, you know, for this podcast, for other videos, it's because it's where my optics go. I, it has to be clear where my feet go and where my eyes go. My closet's a mess. Everything around me is actually a mess, but I can tolerate it because my periphery doesn't extend that far, you know, but there are people who go through life just always in like perpetual shutdown or like latent chaos because they've left too many messes or chaotic elements in their line of sight and underfoot and don't realize like, okay, you're like in partial shutdown and you can't get on top of this because your, your obstacles are like keeping you from addressing like certain innate things that if you just cleared them in this fashion, you'd be more free. So it's, it's really tough. I think just to exist and to be in that like pre diagnosed or pre enlightened state just to have all the same symptoms and like try to find a way to do it. And that you compound that with ADHD too, to where, you know, you need routines and then your brain's like, ah, no, you don't let's sidetrack and do other things. So I feel like it's, this is where, you know, even at, even on my worst days, it's helpful just to remind people that they're, they're not alone. There are 
like specific things that autistic people do. This has a name and this has ways to not just cope, but enrich your life just by acting and doing things differently according to your own difference. So yeah, like the habit thing is, is, um, you know, I am, the, I am a creature of habit and I know a lot better why and where, where those habits serve me and why I need them and what happens when like those needs are not met and how to respectfully impose that habit, not to burden others, but to help free myself and enhance that. I'm not a morning person by nature, but I have to be because I, I don't like, I don't like other people waking up before me then I feel like I'm already reactive. I, I have children. I need at least five cups of coffee for them. You try getting those five cups of coffee in with a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a 10-month-old all waking up with you. It just doesn't happen. So yeah, that's this is like, I don't know where this tangent's going, but just kind of like, oh, until like, <laughs> like I, I get this, I feel this. And I, I, yeah. you know, I really hope that others latch on to like even self-assess like, wow, I do these things. And this is a really elaborate ritual that I need in my life. And when it's when it's fractured, I fall apart. It's like, yeah, you might be neurodivergent. Get that checked. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> see, like, I mean, and I don't mean that. Come, literally, come join but, the like, community and find you know, out where you can that's find like, some Yes. Like other folks, it's even nice <laughs> to just know you're not alone in this. You're not broken. Oh, that, that is just you know? a huge part. Yes. And, you know, you mentioned, you know, you're not broken. And, and that yeah. is such a thing, such a big thing um, for late identified people is that we, we come to this knowledge that we're autistic with some pretty deep wounds, with some pretty deep hurts and some yeah. beliefs about ourselves because of the external world that has, you know, responded to us when we didn't know for decades. And some yeah. of that is, you know, feeling broken, feeling yeah. less than, you know, feeling that you're just not good, good enough. You're not doing yeah. it right. And that was a really big thing. And, um, you know, as executive function challenges creep in, it's like, you know, I, I'm looking around my space right now, and I love how you were mentioning that. You know, it's it looks great right here with what I like, see, nice but here, everything yeah. else is like holy yeah. heck. I'm right? not moving this camera, so yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm not moving the camera, but it's it's one of those things that it was like one of the very first YouTube videos I did is you are what you wear, like mm. what you wear, your clothing, and how it impacts you emotionally. Our yeah. spaces, because I am very much impacted by my physical space. Yeah, you know. Um, how clean is something does is there empty space for my eye to rest and recover yes i can't yell because i don't but like that is where i want to go back to like that whole not broken thing but i yeah. have an unnatural and like terrible i wouldn't say a fixation but you know my wife and i sometimes get in like a little bit of a discussion just about like the reason i feel like i need the sink clear is because that's where my eyes go as soon as I walk out of my office. Like I need to see clean surfaces. They are my mental staging areas to where I will feel it's clean if this surface is clean. It doesn't have to be wiped down. That's where I get caught. It's like, it looks clean, Hunter, but it's sticky and it's dusty. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not touching it. I'm just looking at it. <laughs> and she's been... <laughs> He's awesome because I'll, she'll clean I'll make it sure it's tidy. You go wipe it. That, that that's is where, where we're gonna we, team we do make a good team because it's like I will tidy everything and then the dusting. It's like, can I just delegate the dusting? But it's like the bed. I just need to go in and if my eyes flip to the bedroom, okay. And like I'm not big on vacuuming per se. My eyesight is actually quite terrible. I don't wear my glasses indoors because hey, if I'm blind, I can't see the mess. 
But then when I notice little tufts of dog hair, it breaks the plane and the surface tension. It's like, now this doesn't look clean. It may have been unclean for days and days, but it's like, aha, there's elements here that make it, my eyes are seeing friction and I want to see like, you know, even clean spaces. But I, I, I'm hoping we can revisit real quick that topic of just the, the expectations, the feeling broken, because I, I had a very small window of really wearing the weight of my difference and then realizing what it was. So my teenage years, I don't think anybody's teenage years are their best. If that's the apex of your life, you've probably had a bad life, to be honest. Like if your highlight days were high school, um, I feel for you. But my lowest days were just my teenage years in, um, oddly enough, I, I won't say where, but it wasn't the best for me. And I definitely felt my otherness and I felt deficient. Like, and I'll, I'll make this super real. When I'm seeing other kids in church, other guys like put their arms around their mom, I thought that was like alien. Like I never felt compelled to do that. Not because I didn't like my mom. I love her. I still do. And I did then. But like even seeing that, it's like, oh my gosh, am I like, do I have something wrong with my feelings? Just because I don't like how my arm would unnaturally make that motion. Like, isn't my dad supposed to do that? Well, he's doing that. That's going to be really awkward. And, but like, so even those micro things like that, just seeing it, nobody calling it out, but just knowing that like, I didn't do that and didn't feel compelled to do that. It was only a small ramp from like age 11 to 16, but even those years were enough to like, make me feel like I couldn't empathize. Or I would struggle with, you know, certain, like, like I could never get math down and I was broken and defective. Like, oops, I've got huge, you know, uh, categorical strengths in other things, but then I get really stressed out and then couldn't remember other critical items. Like, am I like, what's wrong with me? Why are people angry at me? Because I, you know, I took a $20 bill from somebody only to learn like, oh, if you do it really quick, they think it's snatching. And then they get mad at you for it and they think you're upset rather than being like just efficient. So it's like, oh, wow. You know what I mean? So it's like, this was a small section of years. And then I think of other people who are hitting this in their 30s, 40s, 50s, had a commenter in his 60s. And I think I like cried when I read his comment when he, I gotta watch it because I'm like, I'm actually, again, emotional recall. When he mentioned like, now that I know I'm autistic, you know, I wanna, it was something along the lines of, I want to, you know, cope and like make the best of his phrase was what's like with what's left of my life. And I just thought like, wow, like, you know, this guy, like good for you that you are, you know, one making it to 60 ish, but then imagine decades of just being different and not completely knowing why. And I just, like, like, that's a video I need to do someday just because I, I need to share that message that I, I don't have that experience of, making the best of the rest of your life, looking at like the tail end of it, but it's, it should be liberating. You know, it should be a time of some poignant reflection and it's just hard to like assume, (laughs) I guess it's that autistic empathy thing. We're like, wow, I, I feel this very differently. You're a stranger, but just imagining like, what if my teenage years were my whole life and I never knew why. And it created so many frictions. It opened some doors, but then tripped me up on other doorknobs and had me smacking into walls or people smacking me because I, 
you know, I gave direct feedback, which was interpreted as hostility and whoops, that's destroyed my career. Like that, that didn't happen, but like, imagine a life of that. So I think like, Carol, Jean, with what you're I don't doing, have to imagine I've lived it. Exactly. Like, that's why I think like your, your, your angle of advocacy on this is, is crucial because, you know, when you get to this point of where now, you know, there's like, I can only imagine like a tinge of regret. Like, what if I had just known sooner and coped differently? But there's, there's the what ifs, but then I look at it as the what is. Like, yeah. this is what is. That's what I, I mean, say. It's like, look, you got the what ifs and the coulda, woulda, shouldas. Yeah. And part of what I call the processing phase. Yeah. And that is when you, you have this new knowledge that you're autistic. You're yeah. looking back at the decades of your life that led up to that with this whole new perspective. Mm-hmm. For me, it was like going from black and white to 4K technicolor, you know, full yeah. color, everything. 4K technicolor. You know, 4K, uh, high def, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not techie, so hush. I'm not either, but I like the, <laughs> like, anachronistic, yeah, the anachronistic incongruity <laughs> of it. So I, I oh, no, you, you just got to take me as I am. But it's, um, but it's one of the things, and it's one of the things that I remind people is like, every minute does matter because yeah, yeah it may have sucked to this point. And a lot of times that's the case. It has been hard. It has been challenging. It has been heartbreaking. Yeah. But this is where you as the autistic individual knowing this is this is why things have been so challenging. Yeah. This is where you completely step back and you celebrate yeah. that you've got this new awareness and this new knowledge. And every minute matters going forward because now you have what you have what you haven't had to this point. Yeah. You have information, you have awareness and you have choices. Yeah. And this is where we begin to craft and choose what your life is going forward and it doesn't matter what that is. I've got people mm-hmm. in their 50s, 60s and 70s. I yeah. even have a little guy in his 80s who yeah. just found out. Wow. And it's in these things that what you have even if you have and like I could be right now Look, I might only have fun in my life. I don't know. You yeah. don't know. Yeah. But what I do with that matters. Yeah. Like it, it has meaning. You know, it's not one of those, like I think we in general, humanity equates and has weird biases from longevity and time. Like I leverage a little bit of that. Like that's that's a good like creator advice. Like if you're just consistent and you've just lasted as long doing this sort of thing, people equate that with like success. And, you know, like it must be good if it's been around this long. That's not true. It's just a, it's a cognitive bias. That's a tenacity thing sometimes. You know, like sometimes it's just like, I'm just, you know what? I'm just so like my YouTube thing, my goal, literally, there's no number. There's no like dollar figure. There's no nothing. It's just don't quit. Like if I can just do this without quitting and stopping, then I'm okay. And I'll let the rest take care of itself. So it's good to remind myself of that. But what you mentioned is like, there's just meaning in in knowing. And that's like really beautiful to see, like from multiple dimensions, people who figured out it's like, it does add that different richness to your life. And I think like the other bit you mentioned, you have choice. You also have community, whether you're a community person or not. It's one that I feel like it's going to help reach a different audience of, you know, people where that, like we talk about like autism awareness. I'm not fond of that on the face of it, but when it's more of, you know, my hope is that like, there are going to be fewer late diagnosed autistic people, you know, and that's okay. Like, that'll be nice to know that generationally speaking, you're going to have this knowledge earlier. You're going to figure it out. You're going to get the right tools 
But if you don't, you what you have is like really great life experience. And that's cool too. <laughs> you know, like even like you did all this and had this much success without knowing for 20, 30, 40 years. That's amazing. Like that, that is a tall order. And that like, when you mentioned celebrating, like that is something to celebrate. Like if you've managed to do all this without even knowing fully who you are, I mean, that is an achievement and an accomplishment and that's worth celebrating. And then like, like you mentioned, like it's a good part of processing to where like there is that positive element. There's probably a lot of suffering, but you did make it to that point. There were things you were able to do, um, irrespective of trauma, masking, there are probably some success attributes that you managed to adapt and grow and figure out despite the knowledge. So yeah, it's like, it's an interesting story and it's so unique and rich, like with just each individual person. So it's, it's really cool to look at it from that angle as well. Well, in the Mind Your Autistic Brain community, the last Saturday of the month of April, because every quarter we started doing this back in January, we have Celebration Saturday. And I started Celebration Saturday because there wasn't enough celebrating around yeah. so many things in our life. You know, getting a job, uh, you know, just, yeah. hey, if you finished your 5K, I mean, you know, just these little things, we don't tend to really stop and recognize and celebrate those. And yeah. especially when it comes to our autistic identification, Sometimes when you're older and you've kind of done it on your own and you haven't really shared it with anybody in your family because you were a little worried or you're a little hesitant, you know, a little self-conscious about it, you don't yeah. tend to celebrate it. So I set this up so, so that we all come together in this really big, you know, Facebook room. Everybody yeah. jumps in in their video and we celebrate. We have fun. We, you know, it gets some fun things going on. You know, we don't clap. We do some celebratory things that aren't, you yeah. know, like stim, you know, stimmy, but not scary. Yeah. And, and just celebrate one another and just have some time to, to acknowledge that we have survived, but we yeah. haven't just survived. We've managed to thrive in ways that really deserve some acknowledgement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good, that's a good angle. I don't think we, It'll be nice to get to a point where celebration and success are just are just part of it, you know. Like it's good that it's an occasion, but I yeah, it's a good reflection because I don't. I obviously coming to you know my autistic discovery, it's very different, but it is hard to to know that you're dealing with a lot of challenge and struggle again. Like I gotta call this person, or I have to wait for a phone call, or like my <laughs> my silliest daunting task is I have to clip my nails. I've timed it. It takes about 20 seconds if I'm ponderous about it, but it weighs in my mind as like a two hour task. So even these small challenges, it's like, you know what? There's, there's not enough time for reflection. And I think that for a lot of autistic people, it's very easy to have such vivid memories and vivid recall. Why do we so often etch the struggle in stone and pen the victories in water? It should be the other way around. And that's not original to me. I think that's the John Keats thing or what have you. But I, yeah, I find but I do it. It, it yeah. still works beautifully. It still works. It's like I need to I need to do more of like, let me write this failure in the sand and let the waves take it. And this success, let me let me etch it in stone because it's worth remembering more than you know the ephemeral the ephemeral sting of of failure. You know, normally I ask my guest at the end to 
share something that they have found along their autism journey that will enrich the life of the person next to them that's just coming to their knowledge and to their awareness and to starting their own autism journey. But I think you just nailed it. We need to write our successes and when we don't have outcomes that were what we were seeking, we need to write those in different ways and view them so that they are fleeting because we do choose to hold on to sometimes the things that do not serve us. Hmm. Yep. Good. Keeps me from coming with something else. (laughs) So thanks for using that. (laughs) I was like, I usually have one or two things I would go with, but um, nope, that's cool. Thanks, Carol Jean. Appreciate you (laughs) taking that as the code. You, d- you just did that all on your own. I just picked up on it. You know, that's just all there is to that. Well, Hunter, I know you've got some really great uh, things coming out on your blog. You've got some stuff happening on your YouTube channel that's coming out the, the same week that we're going to be airing this particular talk show episode, yep. which is share with us. Let us yep. know what's coming on because we will be able to follow you and, and see what's happening. And by the way, guys, if you have not already gone on Instagram and, and started following The Life Autistic with Hunter Hansen, please go do so. There are so many wonderful little nuggets and takeaways that he shares every week and you will get some fantastic laughs because his reels are just really good. They're super fun. Uh, But just as a place to have other resources, because, you know, I'm not everyone's person. I'm not the voice that's going to speak to your heart on something. Hunter might be your person. And I want you to know where he is and how to find him. Hunter, tell us what you got coming up. Yeah, sure. Thanks for the the Instagram plug. That's all the, the short form, the pics of the family. It's just you know how it's like Instagram versus reality. Um, they're like one in the same for me. It's just life. I can't glam it up because I don't know how. I'm not good enough at editing my photos and I don't have a professional <laughs> oh, camera God, to do it. Either. So I, I just try to show life as it is because it is the life autistic. You know, my experience is my expertise. So I like to share in that. And the reels, not everything is a great YouTube video. Sometimes I just have a short form idea that, you know, uh, it's good to it's good to stay practiced. I do appreciate, you know, those who do subscribe and comment on my YouTube channel, which is where a lot of my primary advocacy and entertainment efforts go. It's uh, basically a 17 to 20 minute episode uh, just to cover, you know, a really rich topic with some interesting anecdotes, unboxing, autism myths and other things. Uh, Coming up, I have my crazy long form experiment where I do a single take unbroken, unedited consecutive take of what it's like to live autistic for one hour straight. But it's a good hour. And I go through some of my rituals and talk and have a little bit of a light bulb crisis in my closet. And then afterward, talking a little bit about oversharing and the autism overlap. And then following that, uh, I think we've got that scheduled for May, is uh, some interesting autistic traits that I showed as a child. So it was an interesting walk through memory lane to recall you know, a dozen things that uh, kind of pegged me as autistic before my parents even knew, but looking back made a lot of sense. So it was fun to, you know, if you like, like seeing baby pictures and cool 80s vibes, uh, it's it's quite a treat. I, I hope you all enjoy that. But no, thanks so much for letting me pitch that a little bit. I try to keep it fresh and fun. And, you know, it's, I enjoy creating. It's, it's fun to do. It's, it's effort, it's work, but I, I get more ideas than I know what to do with, but I try to do something and be a help and just remind folks, Hey, you are, you are not alone. And, Oh, Hey, maybe this one thing is funny and I hope you laugh. So that's, that's the sum of that. Hunter Hanson, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for sharing your life autistic with us. 
And thank you for taking the time to share some of those insights and those reminders that we also need to acknowledge that not everything that we do needs to be written in stone. Some of it needs to be written in sand and yep. washed away. Washed away. Good way to put it. So thanks for having me, Carol Jean. <laughs> Much appreciated. Thank you.